Hello, friends. This is Maureen Lee Maloney, and welcome back to My Doc Journey, the show where I reveal every step in my process of creating a feature-length documentary, even the steps where I fall down and cry. On today's episode, I'll be discussing how I'm organizing my time with all the tasks I have to accomplish for the film, and how to develop a documentary idea. This week, I worked on more creative stuff because I've been feeling burnt out on writing. So I started developing some of the rewards I have for my crowdfunding campaign. Specifically, there's a coloring book, a Spotify playlist, and Malagasy lessons. Malagasy is the language they speak in Madagascar. I think this is a good time to talk a little bit about how to organize for productivity and how to handle burnout when it inevitably happens because it definitely will and how to do your best to prevent it. As for organizing, I keep a bullet journal. It gives me the flexibility to create whatever kind of organizational system I need. It is also a pretty fun and creative exercise, but you have to be... <laughs> careful about spending too much time on it. I know a lot of people go crazy with drawing intricate pictures and stuff like that. I think when you start doing that, you're using it as a procrastination tool. So don't go crazy with your bullet journal. Keep it simple. But it's a way that you can just be flexible with how you organize things in your notebook. If you don't know about bullet journals, I'll add some links in the show notes, but there's tons of stuff out there about how to use a bullet journal. One of the things I like to do at the beginning of the week is to brain dump all of the things I need to do just in a spread out fashion on a page. And I'll draw shapes around them. A lot of times it's just circles or if I have a little bit of extra time, I'm feeling more creative, maybe I'll draw trees or flowers or something, whatever, something else. And basically, I just have a page all of the things that I need to do are spread out and they've got shapes around them. So then I can scan the page for tasks that feel good to do in that moment. And as I finish the tasks, then I can fill in the, the shapes with colors. And it's kind of like a, a fun routine to, to get myself to do some of the tasks that maybe I don't want to do. I also make sure to break down each task into small segments so nothing feels overwhelming. And I usually try as much as possible to keep those segments under 30 minutes long. For instance, if I have to edit a long video with tons of footage, I'll break it down into, say, organized footage where I go through and I, you know, relabel everything that I need to relabel, or breakdown footage where I get rid of all the junk that inevitably ends up with your video footage, or create a rough cut where I just take the pieces that I like best out of my broken down footage and I put everything together on that timeline. And these steps in particular don't take a lot of brain power or concentration. So if you're kind of feeling a little bit tired, you can do these at the end of the day even when, you know, you've had a long day and you don't necessarily feel like putting in the kind of concentration that it requires to really edit something. These are steps you can do. So there are natural breaks built in here and nothing feels too daunting. The other thing is I really avoid trying to force my brain to do something it doesn't want to do. 
There's actually a lot of great research out there about how our brains perform different kinds of functions at different parts of the day. You can read about this in Daniel Pink's book called When the Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. And that book goes into really deep detail about the scientific research on when it's better to do problem-solving skills and things like that. But basically, I think you can just pay attention to your brain, your body, when it feels best to do stuff. If you're sitting down at one o'clock in the afternoon and trying to write and it's just not working, then forget that. Do something else. Try to write like at 6 a.m. in the morning or try to write at 10 p.m. at night. Try to figure out when is best for you to do different kinds of tasks. In my experience, forcing yourself to do something when it's not working is a frustrating exercise in futility, and it ends up just being a waste of time. It's the same for when we're feeling burnt out. I'll admit that this is a problem for me because I always push myself too hard. I always have more things that I want to do than are possible, and that's just kind of how I like to operate. Some people may say that's a terrible way to organize your time or set goals and things like that. But I like to know that I'm always sort of like pushing myself and maximizing my productivity. But this also means I have to pay attention to my body and recognize when I need a break. Because pushing your body when it needs rest is not maximizing your productivity. If you push too far, the best outcome will be that the quality of your work sucks. And the worst outcome is that you'll get sick and maybe even lose more time than if you'd just taken a break. So there are three things that are always worth taking the time to do in order to maximize your productivity and your quality of work. Number one is exercise. And I don't mean killing yourself in the gym, working out for two hours. No, just get your heart rate up for like 15-20 minutes. If you can just go for a walk and get your heart rate up, that's great, or a bike ride, or if you want to go online and find some exercise videos and do a little exercise video in your home, whatever. Number two is preparing healthy food. And again, you don't have to go crazy. I'm not saying like cut everything that you enjoy out of your diet, but remember that this is what's fueling your body. So remember that if you're eating a bunch of sugary processed junk food, that's going to bring down your productivity because you're going to feel sleepy and sluggish. Your brain's not going to work well. Save the junk food for some treat times for like your weekend whenever you don't have to get work done. When you need to get work done, you need to be eating healthy, cutting out the sugar, cutting out the processed food, and adding in more veggies and water. And number three, take a break. And this means not just sitting there for a few minutes on Facebook or whatever. This means seriously checking out and not feeling guilty about it. Go for a hike, read a novel, maybe binge watch a TV show, but you've got to forget about work while you're doing this and just focus on relaxing and rejuvenating. Okay, moving on to developing stories. The best thing to do is start looking around your life for interesting topics or interesting people because the easiest thing to film is going to be whatever's in your immediate environment. My very first video was about a guitarist that I saw at a Russian bazaar. I just looked online for 
interesting things that were happening in the area, found this tiny little Russian bazaar that I never would have even heard about. And then I went and wandered around for a while and finally saw this guy playing guitar and he was awesome. And, you know, I said, hey, do you mind if I make a short video about you, kind of do a little interview? And he was totally into it. And boom, that was my first video that was like, only a minute long, but it got me started. There are always going to be little things like this going on wherever you are. So, you know, look at your newspaper, look online and find stuff that's going on. The biggest thing is whether or not you have access. And this, especially as you start to work on bigger and bigger projects, you're going to really need to think about what you have access to. Focus on that it's, it's amazing that some people come up with ideas for shows or for films and they have no access to the person or to the topic. You can't create a day in the life of, say, Barack Obama if you don't know him. Maybe what you can show is you can show what people think of him. You can do interviews with everyday people or interviews with experts. You can look at maybe what his impact has been, but you can't follow him around for the day. <laughs> All right. Maybe if you email him one million times, he'll give you access, but probably not. Let's face it. So don't put your eggs in a basket that you have no access to. Wait maybe till you have some experience. And then if you have a reputation behind you, maybe you can push your access beyond what it currently is. So the next thing to think about when developing your story is how exactly do you want to tell the story? Now, there's a couple of different styles or modes of documentary filmmaking, and they're known as expository, observational, poetic, and reflexive. So expository is kind of like that typical interview-based documentary that you've seen where you're you're usually trying to be persuaded of a certain viewpoint. Say the movie Blackfish, where they really want to persuade you that orcas should not be in parks. And they've got a lot of interviews to back up and some B-roll footage, right, to, to back up that sort of argument. So that's expository. It's a lot of times combined with the observational or verite style of documentary filmmaking, which is more where you're just following someone around and you're not necessarily interviewing them. You're just sort of watching their everyday life. This is sometimes referred to as fly on the wall filmmaking. But the important thing to remember then the difference between, say, a fly on the wall that's going to see everything going on in a room. And what ends up being in a film is in a film, you're not seeing the whole room like a fly on the wall would see, right? You're only seeing what's inside the frame, right? What's actually on the screen. And obviously, there are going to be a lot of things that are outside the frame. So what you include inside your frame and what you exclude from the frame is a really important thing to think about. And what you end up building by what you have inside the frame is representation, the way that you represent that person or the way that you represent the world. And it's good to always remember that films create a representation of the world, not the actual entire world. So different representations can be created based on what's inside the frame and what isn't in the frame. As filmmakers, we control what is seen and what is unseen. So it's really, really important to think consciously about what you're showing and what you're leaving out. Now, this is 
part of a much larger discussion of ethics, which we'll definitely return to in the future. But if you want to read up on this, I'll link to some articles in the show notes, and I highly recommend watching the film Camera Person by Kirsten Johnson. Johnson is a camera person. She has worked on a lot of documentaries, and this is sort of a compilation of the things that she has learned about representation, and it's really, really good. The third type of documentary is poetic or impressionistic. So these documentaries will have less structure. They will be more sort of aesthetic and stylized. If you've ever seen the documentary Baraka, that's very poetic. That's basically all I have to say about that. It's much less common to see uh, poetic documentaries, but they're really cool when you do see them. And then finally, you have the reflexive documentary And this is where the filmmaker really is kind of directly addressing the audience. And they're often kind of autobiographical. If you've ever seen The Stories We Tell by Sarah Polly, that's a really interesting reflexive documentary where she's examining her mother's life and her mother's relationship with the world. Her mother passed away when she was 11 and she's sort of reconstructing this life. So this week, I recommend that you watch a few of your favorite documentaries and start thinking about the different styles of filmmaking that are being used. Then go out, find a local event that you can attend, and start practicing finding stories. If you find a story, try shooting it with a specific style. Maybe even try mixing up the styles or using different styles. Once you have the footage, I think you'll find that it's pretty easy to play around with it in the editing suite and try to make it match different styles. So maybe you can do some interviews and some observational stuff. Try doing a mix, a blend of those styles, or maybe try doing something more poetic. I do want to close out this week not with a quote, but with some thoughts that I had this week after listening to the Ologies podcast with Allie Ward, which has nothing to do with filmmaking. It's just a podcast that I enjoy listening to. But this week's episode mentioned a young girl who had won a national handwriting competition, even though she doesn't have any hands. And it just really got me thinking about how some people just no matter how many things are going for them, they're always coming up with problems and reasons why they can't go out and do what they want to do. And meanwhile, you have this young girl, no hands, and she's like, I want to be a master handwriter. Boom, she figures it out. It just got me thinking about, you know, we have these amazing things inside of our heads, these brains that are so fantastically able to come up with solutions to literally any problem. And yet some people just don't use their brains to come up with solutions. So, you know, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anyone. I get caught in negative thought patterns And it's hard to sometimes snap out of it. But I don't know, just this week, think about if you've got problems that are popping up, instead of feeling overwhelmed by them, take a few minutes to see if you can come up with a solution. So good luck with that. Have a great week. If you have any questions or comments, email me, Maureen at wildairfilms.com or message me through the Facebook page of My Doc Journey. Talk to you next week.